Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Good to see every one of you. Not going to let the cold keep us out. Amen. Let's turn our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 18. I have a Bible study I'd like to share with you tonight. Praise God. Let me say this about uh, teaching versus preaching. Comically, it has been said that the difference between teaching and preaching is the speed and the volume is faster in preaching. (laughs) But teaching will keep you. And preaching will inspire you. And we need both. We need teaching. We need the teaching of God's word and the apostolic doctrine. We need to be solid in doctrine. No compromise. No wavering. Consistent. The word of God will not change. We must change to be conformed to his image. So I appreciate, uh, I want to say this publicly The teaching and the preaching in this church outside of me is fantastic. Stay humble. We've got some great, great people that are doing an excellent job of teaching and feeding the flock, and I appreciate that so much. I really do. Praise God. The messages I hear on Sunday morning, and I know this is the crowd that hears it in our family Bible study, I just open my mouth sometimes and say, where did this guy come from? is they've really got something from God. And it's, it's great to be a part of such a wonderful congregation. Want to remind you too, before we read our text, men's breakfast, Saturday morning, sneaking up on us because Saturday will be the first Saturday and it's also the first of February. But this Saturday, eight o'clock, men's breakfast, please be there, please bring your friends. You'll have a great time. Proverbs chapter 18. In verse number 19, a brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city, and their contentions or differences are like the bars of a castle. A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city, and their contentions are like the bars of a castle. And I want to talk to you tonight for a few minutes on this subject. The most dangerous fence you will ever face. The most dangerous fence that you will ever face. God bless you. You may be seated. When we built our our home after after the church was built in 96, was it, or 95? Okay, I got to get the facts straight. 96 for the church, 97 for our house. When we built our house, we decided that we wanted to have a hot tub. We thought we'd like to try that, and we'd roll it into the mortgage. So we rolled this hot tub into our mortgage when we built the house, and we built it facing north. And um, once we got it in, we realized that this hot tub was exposed to the church. 
if people were coming to church, they'd see us coming in or getting out of our hot tub. We didn't think that was right. So we decided we were going to build a privacy fence, a privacy fence. It's not a big deal, just covers up the immediate area, and we built a privacy fence. And people can build privacy fences, and pretty soon it can be a stockade. And if they keep building fences around what is theirs for the sake of exclusive property, it can become a fort. And eventually it can even become a citadel. And pretty soon you can become exclusive. Oh, I just have to have a fence for my little chihuahua. And pretty soon it's over your eyes because you don't want anybody looking in your, you understand what I'm saying? And fences, and we can argue this all day long if we wanted to, why do we build fences in the first place? Do we build fences to keep people in or to keep people out? Well, if you're building a fence for a dog, it's to keep the dog in, yes. You don't want him running into the neighbors. Maybe you don't want the coyotes to eat your chihuahua. So it is to keep the coyotes out. But we have to ask ourselves, why are we building a fence? Now, I told you in the beginning that I wanted to talk about the most dangerous fence of all. Let me tell you what it is. It is not a, a, a fence to keep the chihuahua in. It is not a barbed wire fence. It is not Constantina wire. It is an offense. That is the most dangerous fence that you could ever face is an offense. When a person is offended, we read it in our text, when a person is offended, they're harder to be won than a strong city. And their contentions, their differences become like bars in a castle. They're imprisoned by the offense. And there may not be too many amens tonight, but I want to be able to say some things that could prevent offenses. I've learned this over the years. In 35 years, I learned that the best time to preach something is when it's not a problem. If it is a problem, you're going to make it worse. Leave it alone. Preach it when it's not a problem. I'm not aware of offenses right now. So I feel it's time to remind you of some things in the scripture concerning offenses. Concerning offenses. Matthew chapter 18, verse 7. Jesus said this, Woe unto the world because of offenses. For it must needs be that offenses come. Hear that? He said offenses are going to come. So I just told you that I'm preaching about something that I'm not aware of, but I am aware that they will come. Offenses are coming. Somebody, I promise you, is going to offend you. And then he said, that not only that the offenses would come, but he said, but woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. The one that does the offending is going to suffer the wrath of God. Now, let me share this with you. 
Um, if I'll use Brother Carlson. If Brother, this is an extreme exaggeration only to make a point, okay? If Brother Carlson and I have a falling out in a serious disagreement and I lose my temper and I haul off and whack him in the jaw and he falls on the floor bleeding, I'm going to feel better <laughs> and he's going to feel worse. Right? Because when I hit him, all of my anger is directed right toward his face. And I've hurt him, and that was my intention. And it's over for me. And he lays there bleeding. I am the offender, he is the offendee. Now, when I come to my senses, when God convicts me, I'm going to realize my great wrong, and it may even be in a few minutes. And I'm going to go to Brother Carlson and say, I don't know what came over me. I am so sorry for hitting you. Please forgive me. And I will feel that I have fulfilled my obligation and turn a walk away from him, even if he doesn't forgive me. And it's over for me. But this poor guy is hurting bad. Not only is he physically hurt, he is spiritually hurt because now he is very angry with me. I did the hitting and he's doing the hurting. And it's more difficult for him to forgive me than it is for me to ask for forgiveness. Can I get an amen to that? You say, well, that's a pretty radical you know, way of describing it. But I'm actually describing a spiritual situation too. Because you can do that with your words and with your actions just as well as you can do it with your fists. And Jesus is warning us that offenses are going to come. But woe to the one that does the offending. We have to be extremely careful about the way we treat one another. I'll wait. We have to be extremely careful about the way that we treat one another. You know, when Jesus spoke to the disciples and they brought a little child, this is what, what he said. He, he said, except you become as little children and humble yourself as this little child, you can't enter the kingdom of God. You remember that? And then he said, woe be to the man that offends one of these little ones. It'd be better for him if, he were, if a millstone were tied around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. That doesn't sound very pleasant to me, to be going down by the pull of a rock. What was he saying? Be careful, because these little ones belong to me. I don't care if you're 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years old, you're still a child in God's eyes. And if you're one of his, you better be extremely careful about the way that you treat the father's children. Better be careful because you will give it an answer for it. Matthew chapter 13. Four types of seed in this parable of the sower. 13 and 20 said, this is the second seed. 
He that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that hears the word, and anon with joy he receives it. Yet he has no root in himself. So he endures for a while. But when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by he is offended. Did you see that? By and by he is offended. Time after time he is offended. And if by and by you are offended, it will soon be goodbye. The number one reason that people leave the church is because of offenses. If you ask them, I haven't seen you in church for a long time. What's wrong? Somebody offended them. Somebody said something. Somebody had a bad deal. Something went wrong. And now they can't go to church anymore. Because they got offended. Take a look at Galatians chapter 5. When it talks about the works of the flesh, it said the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. And the number one on the list is adultery. Followed by fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft. And then we start a new area. Hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, Envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I've told you in time past, that they that do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, between adultery and murder, there are five emotions of anger. I don't know if you caught them, but I want to make sure you do. It starts with hatred. Hatred, it says, then the next word means differences, emulations, wrath, and strife. Five emotions of anger. And they're as serious as murder or adultery. This is staggering to us because we are emotional beings. But we have to deal with our anger. Offenses will lead to character assassinations. When somebody offends you, the next thing that will happen is you'll begin to attack them. You will attack their character. You will attack their reputation. You will try to hurt them because they have hurt you. You know the saying, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth? Well, if we follow that principle, we will all be blind and toothless. If you hurt me, I'll hurt you. But everybody gets hurt in a situation like that. The offenses or the offenders don't care much, but the offended suffer greatly. I want to tell you, give you a little bit of history because some of you may be new to the church but Abundant Life was actually began in uh, 1978 I believe July the 1st was a Sunday and that was our first service we had 18 people in that service primary families were our family 
and the Lowersdorf family and the Hickey family. Wally and Linda are in Alabama. Most of their children are here and now their grandchildren are here. The Hickeys are here. Their grandchildren are here. But those were the founding families of the church. That's how far back these families go with us. And in the first year that we were here, we went from 18 to 40. That's a really good growth for the first year in a church. And we were all excited. But when we got to 40, nothing happened anymore. We just couldn't seem to get past that barrier. And it really bothered me. And I didn't understand what was going on. I had no clue what was going on. But there was turmoil. There was an undercurrent in the church. And Sister Hickey is the one that came to me and said, I'm sorry to have to be the bearer of bad news, but we got some serious problems in this church. And there's people that are talking against you. And I wasn't aware of it, and she brought it to my attention. And she said, and watch this. When you go home on Sunday, we were in a garage for a while. The place where this took place was inside of a, of a garage that we had fixed up. The guy had a big old two-and-a-half car garage, and we got in there and put walls up and painted the floor and put carpeting in, and we had church in a garage. We didn't feel bad about it. We made it look nice, and it was great. But it was on a member's property, one of the members in the church. And when she said, watch this. When church is over and you go home, there'll be a large group of people that will stay. And that's when it's taking place. And they're having meetings. When I found out about that, my stomach sunk. I mean, oh, it was terrible. And um, I remember I even, I even got sick. And I was only a little over a year in Oconomowoc and I, I went to a doctor and I didn't tell the doctor my name. I was embarrassed that I had to go to the doctor. I'm not supposed to go to a doctor. I'm a preacher. I'm supposed to be healthy all the time. So I went in and just filled out my address and name and I didn't say I'm Pastor Kylie. I just said I'm Rick Kylie and I'm not feeling well. And he said, well, tell me what's wrong. And I told him, and he did some tests, and he said, came back, and he said, well, I know what your problem is. He said, you have an ulcer. You're on, you must be under a, a tremendous amount of stress. And he said, here's my suggestion to you. Whatever you're doing for a living, find another job. <laughs> you got an ulcer. I was worked up. My wife will attest that I was walking the streets at night, praying, God, what am I supposed to do? God, what can I do? How can the situation be changed? What, what can I do to turn it around? I wanted to try and make it work. Nothing. Didn't hear anything. Didn't, didn't get any response at all. And it was bad. Couldn't sleep at night. Did what the doctor told me, but I still didn't feel good. I even had a few friends in the church at the time and they said, you know, Brother Kylie, here's what we're going to do. We know you're under stress. Let's go to Thunder Bay. Let's go fishing. We're going to go to Thunder Bay and we're going to catch all these fish and, and we're just going to have a great time and that's what you need. Let's go. All right. So I went with them and we drove up to Canada and got out to where we were going to go fishing and that spirit that was on me 
followed me to, from Oconomowoc to Thunder Bay. And when I got to Thunder Bay, I knew it was still on me. And it, it was just eating my lunch. And I told the guys, I said, you know what, guys? Don't take me fishing. You go fishing and have a good time. I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to bring your trip down. You go fishing. So they went fishing, and I went for a walk. And I was on this dirt road in Canada, and I can remember it like yesterday. And I had just had enough. And so this is the way I began my prayer while walking on that old dirt road. I said, God, please don't strike me dead for what I'm about to say. But I have to say it because it's in me. When are you going to do something? I've talked to you time and time again, and you've done nothing. And then the Lord spoke to me. And he said, well, I have a question for you. When are you going to do something? I said, what am I supposed to do? And the Lord reminded me, he said, you know, when I, I spoke to Moses, I asked him what was in his hand, what I had given him. And I had given him a rod and a staff. And I told him to throw it on the ground, and it, I turned it into a serpent. I, I used a rod to open up the sea. I worked through his authority. I've given you authority. And you're real good with your staff. But every once in a while, you need to use the rod of authority. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. And here's why. And I'm just going to be really transparent with you. Some of you think that I'm pretty easy going. Some of you even think that I'm soft. But that's because you don't know what I was before God saved me. I was the exact opposite of what I am now. I was a hard man. I was a vulgar man. I was always looking for fights. And now the things that I used to do, I hate. I hate it now. I don't like it. Sometimes you got to use the rod. But I'm not looking to. Because I hate it. So, I did what God asked me to do. I went back to Oconomowoc and on that next Sunday morning, I didn't preach. I just walked up to our makeshift pulpit and I said, I understand that there's a division in this church. And if you're with me, I want you to get up and leave right now because we're leaving this place. I don't know where we're going, but we're leaving. And if you're not with me, Stay right here. 18 people got up, walked out. 22 people stayed behind. Lost every convert that we had in year one. And then we had revival. Then we had revival. I started to hear the complaints of the 22, but I said, you know, you know what, you've made your decision and, and uh, we're moving on. And God spoke to me 
You, you know the things, these little sayings that I have that you snicker about? These, <laughs> these little sayings came from trials and tribulations. And they're little memories that, you know, when I say those things, it jogs my memory to an entire event. Here was the saying that came out of that one. What you sow in the church, you'll reap in your family. If you sow discord and you sow division in God's church, you will reap it in your marriage and in your family. To my knowledge, there was only one family I couldn't track down. But to my knowledge, every family except that one that I couldn't track down ended up in a divorce. And I'm not rejoicing about it at all. That's sad. But that's what happens. Because remember, we're God's kids. You better be careful what you do to God's kids. But here's another thing I learned. Once I got angry at these people, they put me in bondage. I was in bondage to them. I was angry with them. It affected my prayer life. I wasn't praying about church growth. I was praying about problems. How to fix them or, or telling God what he needed to do. It completely eliminated my prayer life. Oh, I was getting up and going for my walks and I, I was talking to God. But I wasn't praying for revival. I wasn't praying for the lost. I was so hung up on what I, what I was going through that I couldn't be concerned about what God wanted me to be concerned about. Are you understanding what I'm saying? When somebody hurts you, when you perceive that someone has offended you, if you can't reconcile and forgive them, you'll be in bondage to them. And they will steal everything from you. They will steal your peace. They will steal your rest at night. They will steal your prayer life. They will steal your joy. I didn't plan on this tonight. This is what I'm about to say to you right now. But I really feel this in the Holy Ghost. And it's off the subject a little bit, but when I just started talking about stealing, I felt like God said, yeah, you need to. We have a problem in the house. in our assembly right now. I'm going to bring it to your attention so that you will pray about it, not so that you will gossip about it, but so that you will pray about it and it will be resolved. But somebody, and in all likelihood, one of our own people in the congregation is trying to break into offices and rooms and machines in our building to steal money. That's really sad. 
but it's happening. They're breaking into our office. They're breaking into our offices. They've broken into Brother Hickey's office, stealing, trying to steal money. And they wouldn't even be able to get into this building if they weren't already in it because of the security on the outside of the perimeters. But once they get in, apparently they're finding doors, sticking things in, trying to break in anywhere where they think there might be cash, and they're trying to steal. That is really sad. It should not happen amongst God's people. It should not. Our trustee board is aware of this situation. And we are working on making things more secure. We have to do it. We will work on a security system and we will do everything we can to secure money in this building. We encourage any ministers, whether they're Sunday school or any department, do not leave money in this building anymore or leave it in a place where it can't be stolen from. We will make the adjustments as a trustee board to make this building as secure as possible. If we have to go with surveillance, that's what we'll do. We're working on it. I'm making you aware of it. The word's going to get out. I know that. Don't make it a gossip situation. Don't make it a, a complaint against the church situation. But pray about it. We want to resolve this situation. Can I get an amen? I'm really sorry to have to tell you that. But this is the core right here. And the word will get out. And whoever the perpetrator is, shame on you. I encourage you to come forth before God and make it right and even confess it. Don't put your soul in jeopardy for a few bucks. What a mistake. So pray for us. Pray for this congregation that we can resolve this situation. Can I get an amen? I'm sorry to have to burden you with that, but I'm not going to do that on a Sunday morning when we got a house full of visitors because that's a shame. So thank you for praying about that and doing everything you can to help secure this building. If you know something, you come and see me. We'll investigate. But don't make it a gossip as well, okay? Thank you. Let me see if I can carry on here. <clears throat> Let me tell you the end of the story. This church split that we had, almost 20 years later, this was in 79, almost 20 years later, on a Sunday morning, uh, a man came to church late and he stood in the back and waited until everybody left. And he wanted to meet with me. And we went into uh, my office. And the man came into my office. And the first thing he did was he got on his knees right next to my chair. And I said, stand up. And he stood up. I said, I'm sorry, I don't remember who you are. And he gave me his first name. I won't give you his last name. He said, my name is Charlie. 
I and my wife were the first converts at Abundant Life in 1978. I now live in Phoenix, Arizona. I have come from Phoenix, Arizona because I wanted to ask you for forgiveness. My wife and I are divorced and I can't live with the guilt anymore. And God told me to come from Phoenix to you to ask you for forgiveness. It's real easy to forgive after 20 years if you forgave 20 years ago. I felt bad for him. 20 years of carrying that around. God can do incredible things if we just get out of his way. If we just do what's right, God will fix the other person. But he's got to get us first. He's got to get us first. Let me see if I can wrap this up. Matthew chapter 18. Verse 6. Whoever will offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses. It must needs be offenses that come, but woe to them by whom the offense cometh. Verse 15. If your brother shall trespass against you, go and tell him his fault. Here's the procedure for all offenses. If your brother trespasses against you, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he will not hear you, if he will hear you, you have gained your brother. If he will not hear you, then take with you one or two more that in the mouth of two or more witnesses every word will be established. And if he will neglect to hear them, then tell it unto the church. And if he neglects to hear the church, then let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. So, if somebody offends you, this is my suggestion. You first go to God. And you ask God for humility. We need to know that there's a time to cover and there's a time to confront when it comes to offenses. I'm not saying that every time somebody offends you or says a cross word to you, you got to have a church meeting. I mean, some things it's just gooey, G-O-I, get over it. Get over it. It's not that big a deal. But if it is a big deal, and it is eating your lunch, then you do have to confront it but you need to pray first to make sure your spirit is humble and right so that you don't come brashly or aggressively against someone and make the situation worse. Let me give you an example. Let me see if I can talk you through this. Brother Carlson, you're the guy tonight. <laughs> and you offended me. Now it's the roles are reversed. You're the one socked me in the jaw, okay? Okay. I've prayed about this, so now I'm going to approach you and I'm going to show you how. Brother Carlson, you may not be aware, but when you hit me in the jaw the other night and knocked my two front teeth out, <laughs> it really hurt me. And uh, I consider you a brother and, and I want to be right with you, so I'm trying to make things right between you and me. 
and then I wait. And I give him a chance to respond. And this is probably what he's going to say. Oh, Brother Kylie, I'm so sorry. I'm embarrassed about my behavior. I am sorry. Nine words. Let's see how many of them you remember. Nine words. I am sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. Disarms the situation. If it's said with sincerity. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. Now I can be restored to my brother. And he will say, Brother Kylie, I'm so sincere. I will pay for all your dentist bills and a week's vacation in Florida. And we are restored. Praise God. I'm glad to see you laugh. Glad to see you laugh. But you need to be restored to your brother. I conclude with this. Thank you for your patience tonight. First Kings chapter 19. Here's the one thing you don't want to do. Do you remember when Elijah met the 450 prophets of Baal? And he said to them, he said before all of Israel, how long will you halt between two opinions? If God is God, then worship him. If not, then worship Baal. And let the God that answers by fire, let him be God. And you know how he watered, put all the water on the sacrifice and everything after Baal couldn't do anything and, and God sends down the fire and licks up all the water and burns up the sacrifice and, and all 450 prophets are chased down and killed. Wow, isn't that incredible? But Ahab comes to Elijah and he says, hey, Jezebel's got a message for you. And the message is, by this time tomorrow, you're a dead man. I'm going to kill you. He just had fire come down from heaven, 450 prophets to one, and he wins. And what does he do? He's afraid of one woman. And he runs to a cave. And he hides in the cave from Jezebel. And God comes to him. And he said, Elijah. And he said, here am I. He said, what are you doing in that cave? And Elijah gives a, preaches a message. He said, well, you know, we used to have thousands of prophets. Now I'm the only one left. I'm the only one living for God. And they're seeking to take my life. And so I'm hiding in this cave. And God said, that just ain't true. I've got all these prophets and your information is incorrect. And even at that, you shouldn't be hiding from a woman in a cave after all I've done for you. And he calls him out. And Elijah said, well, I need to hear from you. He said, all right. And so he causes the wind to blow and then there's an earthquake and then there's fire and no voice of God, but a lot of action. And then the Bible says, but then a, Still small voice that we even talked about on Sunday, remember? And God spoke to him. When you get in trouble, when you get offended, I'll tell you how you know there's an offense that you need to make right with somebody. When you can't look them in the eye, when they're on this side of the church and you have to live on that side of the church, when your paths eventually cross somewhere in the middle and you turn away from them instantly, 
Something's wrong that needs to be made right. There's an offense. And if you handle that offense with, a, with humility, most times it will be worked out with just you and them. But if it is not, and you have made a sincere and honest attempt, then I want you to come to me. It says, then go and take two or more witnesses. Go to your pastor. Let me help. And if they won't listen to us, then we'll bring it to the church. But seldom does it ever get that far because we violate the first principle of offenses. We don't go to God, we go to a cave. And we hide in the cave and we feel sorry and we feel angry and we feel hurt when really what we should do is we with humility should confront and restore our brother. Let's stand together. I don't know if you noticed it today. I'd like you to put up Proverbs chapter six, please. Proverbs six and three. This was in our daily Bible reading today. Do this now. Here's the conclusion of this message. Do this now, my son, and deliver. It doesn't even say your brother. It says deliver yourself. When you are come into the hand of your friend, go and humble yourself and make sure your, your friend or your relationship. Verse four. Give not sleep to your eyes nor slumber to your eyelids. How soon should I do this? Right away. Because the longer you wait, the worse it gets. And everybody's hurting. And verse six, here will be the result. Proverbs six and six, go to the end, consider thy ways and be wise. Humble yourself, make it right with others because offenses will destroy your life. Jesus, I pray tonight that you will help us, Lord, to know when to cover and just get over it. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.